0: Make sure the audio is fucking hot as
1: well. Fucking
0: human. One of the things I wanted to talk about today was something that I keep coming back to, which is like going for it on forwards, which are kind of the most exciting. It's easy to think that like, oh, you need, or sorry, that, you know, oh, people like star forwards because they're exciting. But well,
1: no, it's, it also brings another dynamic in a place like Montreal or Toronto with the fans. It brings that excitement. It brings right. the building to their feet, which helps your team out.
0: It's the entertainment business. Yes. Right. So, the thing that I still worry with Bergie is that and maybe he thought he could do that with the with Ann's trade, that that could turn into like an elite forward, but they lack an elite forward. And I feel like no matter what, no matter if you have the best goalie in the world and you have you know, Shea Weber as your captain, it's not enough. You know, I you, agree. And I don't just see in the future where they're going to get it because they're getting too good. You I know? think
1: uh, what happened was uh, Max Peccioretti was seen as that star forward. Then at the end of his contract, it fell off. bergie realized he needed to draft a new one. Right. Uh, we've got guys like Kokaniam. You got guys like Paling before that. Um, guys with a lot of potential now. In right the system. The thing is, it's more of an all-around team and a defensive forward team. Um, more of a counterattack, stopping the opposition's attack, counterattacking quickly, uh, getting a lot of chances and a lot of puck possession. Okay. But less built around those one-two lines, more built around those three-two-three-four lines.
0: Right. Like, can we say that even in the well, Okay, in the finals this year, you'd say on St. Louis. Yeah. Would you put O'Reilly, you would make oh, no, it out, definitely put O'Reilly in that tier, but.
1: Uh, the difference is, okay, the, they have the Petrangelo to our uh, Weber. Right. They right. have the um, Colton Parenko, Parenko?
0: Pareko, yeah. Pareko,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, American, weird. I am from Holland, isn't that weird? Um, <laughs> just a bizarre name for an American. Um, and to our Jeff Petrie. Uh, but the difference is on forwards, you have, as you mentioned, uh, Ryan O'Reilly, which we do not have yet, but we could get uh, potentially out of Kokonami eventually, right? Maybe three, four years down the line, right? Um, they, uh, but they have the uh, Tarasenko, Tarasenko, yeah, we yeah. Do not have and hopefully yeah. Cole Caulfield, event, like five, six years from now, could eventually become that. What I worry is that with Bergy's great picks now, he won't be the GM in charge of them when they're at their prime, and that when they're at their like. Strike right. Age, basically. And
0: that vision won't be there. The vision that would make them fit well. Yes. And all of a sudden, yeah. they're kind of random pieces I mean. rather than a, a sort of.
1: What I hope. Or, exactly. What I hope is he got the like okay from Jeff, Mol- Jeff, Jeff Molson to be be like, okay, it's time to kind of reload. We have Carey Price. We have Shea Weber. We can get these guys up and running in two, three years. If we pick these guys, we'll have the young guns, the older veterans, a nice combination of old and young and middle-aged players in two to three years. Right. With Kerry Price still at a, like 32, 33 years old. Okay. Shea Weber, I mean, we'll see if he can still produce in, two, in three to four years. Yeah.
0: And I know, I, I guess I've asked you this before and I know you're not as inclined to think of like specific player speculation, but is there, who would be out there like in the world that's going to be the superstar forward for the Habs that isn't on the Habs. You know? Um, it's not going to be through the draft, right? Would it be, have to be another trade? Uh, I think what we saw was that it was going to be Aho, right? Yeah. And so, as much as that is a weird question, I think we just saw that that question is actually hyper-relevant for the Habs. There is a need for a superstar forward, a, a, seven a young guy.
1: Seven minutes, specifically.
0: Right, although, yeah, could you have Cook and Yemi, cover we- that while you have your, but either way, you know, that's that question that I've been wondering, it happened, you Which, know, or- and then they didn't get Aho. Are they still, you know, we now know Burgi's thinking that way. I need that superstar forward that's young, and it's not, you know, it's through, it's that person already plays for someone else.
1: I'm not sure if he's thinking that way or, Here's the thing. We have a very balanced forward, um, like, lines right now. We don't have left-handed defensemen. Right. With the acquisition of uh, Sheabot from uh, from Winnipeg, okay, that brings a nice, from the fans and from Winnipeg, they say he's a nice fourth-line player playing with Dustin Bufflin. who's a very good right-handed defenseman. The good news is we have Jeff Petrie, so hopefully the same kind of chemistry. He'll be just a solid, uh, stay-at-home shot-blocking defenseman who can play a lot of minutes. Okay, that's what we need. But we still don't have that number one guy to play with Shea Weber. We're still right. going to be forced to put Victor Mete. But which should probably be a, a number five, number six. You think
0: that's mind. more of a problem when you already have Shea Weber? Yes. Than up front, because I feel like. As much as he's older, it's kind of his team now.
1: Right. And
0: it's still Shea Weber. Like, you have, in essence, a superstar, number one D-man.
1: Right. But
0: you need your superstar forward guy. He's
1: aging. The problem with Shea Weber is he's aging quite a bit. Like, he's right. not the youngest guy. You don't want to rely on him. I think we made that with mistake with Andrei Markov in the past. Right, we right. we relied on him too much. Okay. We really need someone to take those season minutes. Yes. Regular season minutes off of Shea Weber and keep him for the playoffs. Yeah. If we can build that left side up, I feel we can make the playoffs.
0: It's funny when you think about the minutes that PK munches. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> and,
0: and the fragility in some senses of an aging Weber, which is ridiculous because he's the same age as me and it's crazy to think that he's like an old man. You well, know, he's, he's just
1: more heavy set. He's big boy. Yeah.
0: But yeah. you know at the end of the day he is what? Th- he's at the oldest 34.
1: Yeah. I believe. Still does. When you do it every day, I, I right. imagine it takes a huge toll on your body, especially when you push yourself to that, of to your course. limit every day. Of course. But I feel
0: like this perception that Shea Weber's like 38, is oh, what I'm absolutely. saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he isn't. He's at early, you know what I mean? Like he's just getting out of his early 30s. I don't- and like, the I guess is, the, my bias is looking at a Nick Lidstrom, yeah. who, you know, never missed the playoffs and certainly, you know, played a ton of games that are a lot of hard games in a lot of very defensive, you know, situations that, you know, 33 is like when he started winning his Norrises. It well, was David Chara. know,
1: Chara, 42 years old.
0: Right. And when did Chara start winning his Norrises? Around the same age, I believe, right? Uh, I'm not he, totally sure. He but, wasn't,
1: I think he had signed or traded to a... To Boston and Now
0: we're literally stories. talking about Lidstrom, who's just a singular hockey player, and we're talking about Chara, who is a freak of nature. Yeah. But we're also talking about the man, e- right? <laughs> but we're talking about Ely Norris winning defenseman, and so Shea Weber is that, or at least was that. You know, he is in that kind of special category in his own way. Did
1: he win the Norris?
0: So. I think it's it's not unreasonable to think that Shea Weber's best years and you know some of his best health should be at this age, but it isn't. You know, and if anything, him being big and him having that shot should have cleared him more space. No, like he's the one doling out physical punishment, and I remember, you know, in particular, shoving Zetterberg's face into the glass during yes, the yes. playoffs. We
1: all remember that. Uh,
0: you know. You'd think that he, if anything, would be, you know, less banged up
1: than most. Hey, he never won the, uh, he never won the Norths, by the way. Never. That's a bit of a shame. Shea Weber, no. Shay Weber.
0: No, I know. And, uh, this is when he's supposed to start winning them, is, is kind of what I'm arguing. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Because Listrum Norchara, I believe, Chara was they were 30s. 31, yeah. when he won it. Right. right. The first time. Not right. That was his only time? Yeah. I thought he had more. And what about uh, Lidstrom? When did he start?
1: Got to go down a little bit. Does it have age? 30. 30, 31, 32, 35, 36, 37, and 40. And 40? Yeah, you realize
0: he won the Norris the year he retired, I believe. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is ridiculous. You win the Norris and you retire.
1: (laughs) Got to go out uh, I think it
0: was. I'd hate to get that wrong. As a Wings fan, that's like sacrilege. But I'm pretty sure it was remarkable, obviously winning at that age. But, you know, he was genuinely the best defenseman in the world. He's one behind 40. Bobby Orr.
1: He's got seven, Bobby Orr's got eight.
0: I, 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 can't, I don't even know if I can emotionally wade into that whole <laughs> Lidstrom retiring and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm seeing with the Wings, is that, like, our debate is, you know, Larkin are we enough with Larkin as our guy up front, or do we need someone who's like a superstar? We obviously draft Zadina that says, like, he's supposed to be in that range. And like a Kucherov could be someone who, you know, takes a few years in the A, or in Zadina's case, he'll probably be on the team this year, and so one year in the A, to kind of get that groove going to be elite nhl -er, or essentially. Absolutely. But, you know, he's a winger, and uh, he's not the guy that you build your team around, he's ultimately a complimentary piece, whereas now we're seeing Larkin become this 80 plus point, 30 plus goal, number one center, and you could say, well, he's not a Jack Eichel, but the thing is that he's the fastest player in the league on a consistent basis, not named Connor McDavid. Yeah, exactly. And maybe uh, Paul
1: Byron. (laughs) <laughs> Gotta squeeze him in there. Hey, he's a speedster. He also is the second smallest guy in the league.
0: Wow, I actually didn't know that. So
1: 160 something pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah, five something like that.
0: But I mean, Larkin still has the record, uh, you know, for the fastest lap yeah. of the All-Star yeah. game. And uh, I-, I do think that in a one-on-one race, Larkin, Athenasiou, and McDavid, I don't think McDavid's necessarily a clear winner uh, maybe three out of four times or something, you It'd know? it fun to
1: see a red-to-red red race in the All-Star
0: game just... Oh. I mean, they talked about it on the 31 Thoughts or sorry, actually on the 31 Thoughts but Jeff Merrick talked about it on the Wing Wheel podcast yeah. uh, that what he wanted to see were these sort of things at the All-Star game where players that weren't on the team were competing for the actual fastest skater or hardest shot so even if you know, Andreas Athanasiou is not on the All Star team. He's still there. He's there because he's potentially the fastest player in the league.
1: I like the NFL. They play dodgeball and stuff at their All Star game. Really? Yeah, they I actually. Have no play, idea. Yeah, they have like guys get on the east, guys on the west, like a running back, a lineman, like a linebacker, stuff like That's that. They, play, they have a dodgeball event. They have an obstacle course. What? Yeah, it's really. Okay. I, well, I check out the NFL All Star game if you ever get a. Okay. I had no it's idea. It's not the all-star game. It's called the uh, Pro Bowl. The Pro Bowl, right. It's right before. The shitty part about the NFL one, the Pro Bowl used to be the week after the Super Bowl. Now oh. it's the week before. Okay. But therefore, the, the guys who are in the Super Bowl aren't in the Pro Bowl. Oh, Okay, that's ridiculous. It's a bit like, uh, okay. yeah. It know. makes
0: sense. I, I think the NHL does a pretty good job. Maybe it could be a little later just to be truly like, who deserves it this year? Yeah. Uh, you Absolutely. know, but you want guys who are not disengaged because they're out of the playoffs or whatever either
1: and injured because of the long season right. The long season takes a huge toll on players. Oh my god. It's crazy But yeah, and also so you have all the world championships. It's hard to schedule hockey in the summertime.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll see like Anthony Mantha's coming on. He had a big world yeah. championship. You know He looked like a real nice Modern power forward rather than a perimeter player with a nice shot. But we're kind of seeing Larkin as maybe being moving up into that elite tier next year if he can take another step because he has that speed element, right? And that is in this NHL such a difference maker. It's not that you're just a 30 plus goal, 80 plus point player. Um, You have speed. You know, we look at a Mitch Marner. I mean, he's just like, I've seen him play live where. He was the, by far the player that most stood out on the ice, you know? Like he's oh, just yeah. like a water bug
1: out there going everywhere. That's it. That's like but, that's why that's what makes me so excited about Cole Caulfield. Right, right. Just like it and the it, I, the mindset that saw he's too small to play. I never liked that mindset.
0: No, like, I mean but Cole Caulfield is like much smaller than Mitch Marner.
1: Absolutely. But it's first he can size up. Do you even lift? He can bulk up. He's still like a 17 year old, right? But, right. I mean, uh, 18 year old. But it's more: can you get hockey is about can you get into the right position? Right. We we talk about guys who are always like, who the puck tends to follow. That's the uh, that's the wrong way of looking at it. It's guys who know where the puck is going to be, and that's basically like what Gretzky. You need. Yeah. Like Gretzky, exactly. Like Gretzky's the perfect example.
0: Always yeah, yeah. knew
1: where it would be. But so
0: Larkin is faster than Marner. You know, absolutely. I, actually, by noticeable margin. And I mean, sure you can debate it. Marner's super fast, but like that's Larkin's. Martin's fast
1: with the puck. That's also signature thing. Possession wise, as well.
0: (laughs) Right. Like there was another one that I that I retweeted where it was Larkin almost scoring the goal of the year, where he just danced around. I forget which team, but um, yeah. So like the Wings are trying to figure out have these like tweeners in terms of elite players, right? You had double-A score 30 uh, goals this year as well. You know, like that's all of a sudden, like that's a real player because he has the elite Larkin speed too. So you have two guys who are McDavid fast, who have just scored 30 plus goals in this league. You know, is
1: that enough instead of a Jack Eichel? Right. But do you think, okay, here's the thing about Detroit. Do you think the contracts of applicator and helm and guys like that are going to hold the Mac a little bit? Maybe delay the...
0: I mean, if you wanted to cause me to, like, curl up into a ball in the fetal position in the corner of the room right now and start crying, like, yes, you just brought up the topic that would do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's like, we got... We hear, we hear rumors of Edmonton trying to shop Pai but shopping him with Lucic's contract, with the acquisition of um, Zetterberg, or, sorry, Stevie Y., um, do you think oh, you he's mean- going to try to like package some of the better, maybe, um, um, who's the centerman you got from the queue? Package- Joe Valeno? Joe Valeno, some of your um, upcoming rookies with these worst contracts during this year, maybe during the uh, trade deadline. Try yeah. to get some free agents next year.
0: Yes and no. There are two things about that. And so and that and that does tie in a little bit maybe with the bad contracts. But So in terms of the wings... Do I think Polyarvey is like a perfect trade candidate that, you know, that Kenny's over there and yeah. uh you know he needs a fresh start and we need high end wingers to play with all of our centers. Yes. So I think Poliarvey is exactly it. Uh Joe Volano is untouchable, for sure. So I think Volano, unless it was uh, you know, like a pet you know, like a Petterson or I mean I know petterson will probably never move but well, or, it's,
1: it's more to get rid of these contracts
0: uh, or an Ajo I mean not, maybe not even you know like I think Joe Valeno is about as untouchable as a prospect in Detroit as okay. you can be Do you hold him in high but, regard then and I know the organization does and I believe that Stevie might hold him even even higher regard than Kenny did Kenny picked him Kenny loves him I love you him, but you think... Kenny picked him because he fell yeah. so far that it was an unbelievable you have to pick in the same way that Sadina was, but absolutely Stevie Wise, same thing, right? Yeah. But Stevie Wise's first act as GM of the Red Wings was to sign Joe Valeno's entry-level contract, okay. and I don't think the symbolism was lost there. No, uh, that, he, a- I believe, brought him up in the press conference. I could be wrong. He brought up a bunch of prospects. Uh, they see him as being as important now as Philip Sadina.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. Is that the decrease on Sadina's value or the increase on Veleno's value?
0: Increase on Valeno. Gotcha. Valeno was the first exceptional player in the queue and um, was playing on a bad team before Absolutely. until he got to a good team. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers that Valeno did in the queue this year, uh, their top three pick numbers, you know, mm-hmm. Joe Valeno is a player that could have gone one place before or after Philip Zadina. It's not a Zadina thing.
1: How about uh, Ken Holland, then? Uh, do you see any players he being like very attached to that he might try to get from Detroit? Darren Helm. Oh, yeah. yeah? That's his boy? You're my boy, Blue! You're my boy.
0: Well, I mean, Darren Helm was my boy before. He was my favorite player was, for quite yeah. a while. Yeah.
1: And again, elite speed. Absolutely exactly. Yeah. And very good. In at the face words of Babcock, too. yeah. But 3.85 million for the next two years, not the best contract for a guy like that.
0: No, I would love to just keep Helmer, I think, out of all the fat contracts. Helm offers still a lot of speed and just a lot of value all around. Penalty killing and yeah. uh, he creates chances. If he plays with someone who can finish, it would change a lot. But um, he's from you know, the out west. And uh, he's the kind of player I think that team could use. So, you know, I'm not claiming to be original here. This is the wing wheel pod. They all agreed, um, I think, with Max Boltman, that Helm is kind of an interesting possibility. And yeah. I agree with that. But um, I don't. Where do you send the Advocator contract? I don't know. If Steve Eiserman can get rid of the Ericssons, the Advocators, and you know, even the helms of the world, that will be the most effective kind of move he can make. Come on, you can do it. But I mean oh Franz Nielsen, that's a contract that just needs to go.
1: is the defense is very interesting as well.
0: Yeah, you know, we have no D, we've signed uh Patrick Nimit.
1: If the Kaiser for three years at five million. And it's, yeah, Nimit for two at three. There's a move coming. And I think Poyarvi is one of the big candidates that's on another team. Well you have Bernier at three million for two years and Jimmy Howard at four million for this year. I feel like you don't need both of them with Tom oh, yeah. Picard as your backup.
0: Well no Picard was specifically signed to play in the A. Okay. So two things. First of all to make sure Bernier isn't complacent that he's a good backup and not uh obvious backup. Yeah. So he could potentially be brought in as the backup Picard or
1: Pickard. Oh, Pickard. I don't know which right. one.
0: I don't know. And uh Pickard. so let's go with Pickard. Yeah, Pickard with sounds pick, better. With Pickard, uh Stevie Y said when they signed him that he was brought in to mentor Philip Larson, who is our goalie okay. of the future. Yeah. So I was just dreaming. I thought maybe Peter Mrazek would be brought back in the organization, my former favorite
1: value. prospect. High, the value on Mrazek went way up. I think he's,
0: <sighs> he's worth it. And the Wings know him because they totally developed him. So I think it's just... There's no
1: bad blood there, do you think? Wow. I, I
0: thought think it maybe... it might have been
1: between Holland and uh, Morazic.
0: Well, that's why the rumors that Holland was looking at Morazic in this offseason were surprising. I thought Kenny moving on And Babcock not being—I don't remember if Babcock was a factor actually with Mrazek, but I thought just with the whole regime change that he could kind of be welcomed home, and that maybe the Wings were self-conscious of the Fedorov situation, and they just don't want that. They're just—but Fedorov's just completely different in terms of being a Red Wings legend. But still, they don't like these fights with their homegrown, super talented players. And Mrazek is, in terms of pure talent, you know, just unbelievable. He's there.
1: It took him a bit longer, but he's definitely there. You know, he was stealing
0: series from us, almost stealing series for us, uh, from Tampa in the playoffs. It's crazy. But um, Philip Larson appears to be the next big thing for the, the Red Wings in goal. So Pickard is going to be, apparently he's a character guy who's going to be a good mentor. He knows what his role is coming in. Yeah. And before they even brought him in, Philip Larson was being asked about his, you know, like who, so you're going to be in Grand Rapids now, you're starting pro. That's it. You know, who's going to be there? And he said, oh, I think it's, you know, that, that it's going to be a veteran guy who's going to really help me and show the rope. So both of them had been slotted into a role, but they know exactly what they're doing. And I like, here's what I think. This is... This speaks to business management. I think one of the things that people talk about in business is your culture. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that that's not the key to success. I think the key to success in business and in professional teams or professional sports teams is knowing your role, having roles. The reason people can succeed is because they have a common language of roles within their you know, thing so that the sales team could have their own little culture that's actually somewhat incompatible with the operations team let's say you know or the product management team of something right and each of those teams has their own culture where they can be successful but it's because there's a defined role there and they can perform their role and say pass it on or collaborate in a certain way
1: yeah
0: under Blasio one of the problems has been lack of clarity around roles so for example Darren Helm asked that before he signed his latest contract what's going to be my role yeah. You know, I only want to play here if I know if I'm you're putting me in the top six, sometimes the top line, and then I'm down on the fourth line. Exactly. Like, you know, what am I to you? I'm happiest when I know my role. And uh, so I really think that Steve Eisenman is bringing that clarity yeah, ahead of role before the player hits the ice. And you're seeing this now with the grand rap, with essentially developing our goalie in the future where he says, okay, he's going to come in. And there's nothing that's going to be unexpected about his role here. And Pickard's going to come in and there's going to be nothing that's unexpected about his gotcha. role here. Gotcha. Um, at the same time, with Pickard, we're not going to limit him. So if he's going to be the better backup, we, will, we are willing to bump him up. We're yeah. not going to rule yeah. that out either. Yeah. So he should feel good about the opportunity to not only mentor, but perform. Right? Balancing those two things is really important. And I think that's why you saw in the draft that as much as you could say it was about best player available, there was a lot of filling out the D. D, want the D and just understanding, yeah. you know...
1: No, I feel it like was a really good pick by Iserman. Um, you really do need a solid right-handed defenseman, and they're not easy to... They're almost impossible to get if you don't draft them. Or if you don't have one available to trade. Yeah. Or a very like a very good prospect available to trade. So I think... As the first building block to build around, I feel that he made a very, very good pick. Uh, at least it will take a few years, but I think he knows that. And I think once those, few, it will also take a few years for the rest of the team to develop. Yes. So I feel that was a very good pick. And also for Bernie, I feel that's a very good point. You do need a very stable backup and a good relationship between starter and backup. Yes. So it might be, uh, it might actually be the best option. We'll see. I- I'm officially happy with the Moore Insider pick. I love you so much.
0: I'm not just like, okay, I'll give Stevie the benefit of the doubt, yeah. which is essentially what it was initially, but rather sure. this may have been the right pick. Exactly. We saw him in development camp, and he was a lot more offensive...
1: I'm offended.
0: ...than he was necessarily... Perceived to be. Perceived to be. Yeah. And part of that was because he was a 17 year old playing in the in DEL against men. That's it. And was probably, for the purpose of his development, told to play a certain kind of role. Yep. And obviously isn't expected to be the guy. And all of a sudden in development camp, they tell him, you know, you're a six overall pick. Like, you can beat the guy right now in this development camp on yeah. the blue line. Right. And uh, he really seemed to step, step it up. Step it up, direct play. Still, you know, looking raw, but uh, super encouraging, and possibly looking exactly like what you pick at number six, which is your Victor Headman type, with maybe you know not the dynamic ceiling that Headman has, but uh,
1: no, that's I think very good pick,
0: by the way. yeah, and you look at his character and his background and all that stuff. It's the kind of kid that's basically excited to be. You know, in the NHL, a kid that Stevie Y, like, did tons of due diligence on. Yeah. And someone who's, like, basically lives at the gym, apparently. Do you even lift? So, you know his development is likely to not do, like, a, a weird turn or Go something. Too long. exactly. Yeah. Good solid defenseman.
1: Yeah, exactly. Back up your blue line. So, maybe. Oh. We'll see. So I follow a site called Daily Faceoff, which like lists basically the line combinations of the teams, just to help me out see who's on the team. Yeah. These guys are putting Nick, Nick Suzuki on the second line. That's a bit ambitious, I feel. What? I mean, we'll see if he even makes the team. To me, Nick Suzuki, I don't think he'll make the team. I think he'll take one more year. Uh, one year in uh, Laval. Was shot. By or the NHL. I think he's going. Maybe he was, is he an overage? I can't remember. But I think he's going. Maybe he's going Laval. Who's Jack, Jack Evans and uh, Ryan uh, Paling though? Um, I feel I have a chance.
0: I mean, Paling's already played, where I don't think He has, right?
1: Uh, exactly. Wow, um, it's a heck of a game. Still, I mean, I, that's don't expect that every night from a guy like that. Um, I love, I mean, I feel, I've, that's what I hate about Andrew Shaw being traded. I just would have loved to see those two guys go at it on the line. I feel those two guys would be a match made in heaven. What? I love you. Was, but, he,
0: was Shaw playing in the top
1: six? Uh, occasionally, yeah. It, okay. it really was he between two and three? Is that what happened? Um, exactly. Uh, what happened is uh, Domi, Drew, and Shaw had a really good chemistry for a little bit of the season. Then Drew kind of fell off, so I moved him and Shaw around. We saw, um, what else did we see? A couple combinations with uh, Joel Armia, a couple times with Paul Byron. I'm here for the gangbang. When he was healthy with Shaw and Domi. Shaw and Domi had a really good uh, relationship. But uh, we'll see uh, who can step up. Because we got like, a lot of young guns who can step
0: up. So I guess because I feel like right now the Habs are a team that says whoever plays with Domi is the top line, you know?
1: Uh, I feel like that Brendan Gallagher, Thomas Tatar, and Phoebe Denno really stepped up. Because Denno right now is the only one who can consistently win face
0: Oh, and I see as a non-Habs fan, I was under the impression that Tatar was playing more with Domi. Or is that way off?
1: I can't, honestly I can't remember. I thought I thought Domi was more like Druin. Tatar and Dano, I thought, in Gallagher. Okay. But maybe you're right. I can't remember that much. Do I would was. I mean I could tell you about the wings, but I couldn't tell you about the halves yeah. in that respect. So. I'm pretty sure it was like I'm pretty sure Domi was uh, more with uh Druin. I remember him more with Druin and Shaw.
0: Alright, let's uh Prediction for each of our own teams. Yeah. In the I win anyway.
1: That's what I was going to say. Perfect. All right. What do you got? Ooh. That's a tough one. I'm going to make a prediction of somebody making the team.
0: That's my prediction.
1: Okay. Though. Oh, okay. That's a good one, though. Okay. Maybe you should make yours first. I got to look at it. All
0: right. Out. Well, mine is obvious. I'm going to go way out there and say that more Sider comes into development camp and actually makes. Detroit's defense is horrible, and he's already, what, 6'3", almost 6'4", you know, played with men already as a 17-year-old, and I think was the rookie of the year in that league. So
1: I think Moritz Leiter is going to be NHL ready and you are going to see him uh, play in the opening lineup. Nice. I hope so for your team. Uh, Thank you. Incredible surprise. Mine is around the same style, but uh, the guy Joe Teasdale. The uh, QMJHL uh, overager, so he's 20 years old right now. Um, QMJHL, I think he got player of the year. He got the um, Mo- Memorial Cup uh, MVP. Um, oh. Was it undrafted. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, here we go. So, no, he didn't get the... Uh, he got the most sportsman-like player in the QMJHL. <laughs> uh, last, the, two years ago. Last year, he got... Um, the most points, thirty-four points in the Q playoffs. Okay. Uh, HL champion, CHL M- MVP. Uh, okay. Memo- uh, sorry, CHL Memorial Cup MVP. Yeah. And CHL Memorial Cup champion. Okay. So I think uh, Joe, Joel Teasdale. All right. That's what you got to look for done. Well, six foot zero, six foot nothing, uh, two hundred pounds. So yeah, a yeah. solid. Solid two-way player.
0: Yeah, yeah. But, All right. Well, lots going on in the NHL. I mean. I don't know if you have any ideas for stuff that you want to talk about next time, but you know, I, I think there's still more to talk about with free agency. know. where that's going. I think uh, these
1: contracts, like Anders Lee, seven million. Yeah, uh, for, yeah, for a big guy. Um, I think also uh, from last week's or last time's podcast, I think um, what was his name went third overall uh, this year in the draft.
0: Yeah, it was uh, uh, man. Kirby Doc.
1: Kirby Doc going third overall in the draft. Really, I think because of size. Right. Uh Anders Lee having getting seven million again. I think the size team are of realizes. You
0: think that there's a size shift like the blues, right?
1: Size and speed. If you can right. get those guys, those guys are gonna be more prioritized yeah, than okay. anyone else.
0: Yeah. Alright, we'll uh talk about it next time. Puckheads.